0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com.
0: Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mmm, I want some hot cakes. Now here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things,
1: Dwayne Callender.
0: Good evening and welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Got a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. We have the World Series Game 4 coming up after the marathon session that ended up (laughs) at 3.30 in the morning uh, today, (laughs) basically, uh, that I covered already. But uh, World Series Game 3, I mean, what else can you say about it between eduardo nunez's adventures everywhere like i mean like eduardo nunez was like where's waldo it was like every which way you could find him in, in the stadium uh, in and Do- in, in dodger stadium he was there it seemed uh but uh, you know it was in front of co- a comedy of uh, uh, errors that it seemed to be with nunez just being bumbling stumbling anywhere uh on the field and making plays uh Uh, as it went along because he was the focal point of the game to Ian Kinsler just literally throwing away the game uh, with just a bizarre fielding decision that I'm still trying to figure out because the Dodgers should have lost that game. I mean, Puig wasn't running that hard, and Kinsler had all the time in the world, and he still threw the ball away. We'll never understand that to Muncie's walk-off, but, uh, you know, incredible game three uh, that will always be memorable And we got game four tonight. Uh, Rich Hill is on the mound, as I thought, for the Dodgers, uh, although Dave Roberts tried to play coy with that. And we have Eduardo uh, Rodriguez for the Red Sox uh, on the hill tonight. And this should be interesting because the way I kind of look at it is that, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, this game was so long last night that I can't imagine the reaction time of these players being that good starting out. It's just like from human nature standpoint, they should be exhausted from lack of sleep. This would be the perfect game to have a pitcher's duel and this just end up being like a four to three game or something like that uh, and that be the end of it. I, I think this is easily a game where you can have both starters go into the fifth or sixth inning cruising without any issues, and then the bullpen, uh, whoever's bullpen implodes first, decides the game, because honestly, I think Rich Hill is the perfect guy uh, for the Dodgers to put on the mound, because his, like, weird delivery between the curveball and just, like, the different arm angles he throws at, it's a funky-looking delivery that it, you know, honestly... I don't think you really get good contact off of Rich Hill if he's, if he's healthy and he's pitching right. Uh, you know, Dave Roberts screwed this up last year in the World Series in Game 2 because uh, Rich Hill was cruising. The Astros barely started to get to him, and he pulled him immediately after, I believe it was only three innings, and it made no sense back then. But guess what? Dave Roberts isn't going to change because he is so tied to his analytics even worse than Joe Girardi. Like, as much as I used to criticize Joe Girardi uh, in his time managing the Yankees, he looks like uh, just a a, uh, play-from-the-gut version of Joe Torrey compared to Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts is so indebted to that analytics uh, schedule that he has broken out by player and pitching matchup that I feel he's going to screw this game up for the Dodgers tonight. By all rights... This should be a win for the Dodgers to tie it up 2-2. And I'm thoroughly convinced that even though I think Rich Hill will pitch well tonight, Dave Roberts will find a way to pull him too early and the Dodgers bullpen will implode. Because if I see Ryan Madsen out there tonight, I'm probably going to scream into the... Well, I probably won't scream in public. I'll just start bitching and moaning. But you get what I mean. I I want to scream into the void because every time I see Ryan Madsen out there not using his changeup effectively and just throwing straight fastball when his fastball is not good enough to get past these Red Sox hitters. I want to scream because I don't know who's doing a f- scouting report for the Dodgers. It, it's, it, it's idiotic that Ryan Madsen is is being used in this fashion if he's not going to use his changeup, which is supposed to be his out pitch. I, you know, I don't care if he doesn't have confidence in it. That's If, if you're actually going by analytics, Ryan Madsen's only an effective reliever if he uses his changeup. And the fact of the matter is, he hasn't been using his postseason, and he's allowed all five of his inherited runners to score in this World Series. So, I ha- I have a, si- just, because I, like, truth be told, I-, I don't really care about this World Series. Like, who wins? Uh, I know folks are going to, like, dismiss that and say, as a Yankees fan, I would hate it if the Red Sox won. I really don't care. Uh, you know, I got enough friends that, as Red Sox fans that, you know, any ribbing that happens, you know, I'm I'm used to it right now. It's like nothing will ever top the just utter utter disgust of uh, 2004. But the uh, the reality of the situation is that I just do not trust Dave Roberts whatsoever in this situation. I have less confidence in Dave Roberts than I do in Joe Manning because Joe Manning almost cost the Cubs the World Series, uh, but the Cubs were just lucky enough that Cleveland kind of choked it away. Uh, uh, in game six and uh, and uh, didn't quite recover in game seven. But the it, it, lo- long and short of it is, is that uh, I, I look at the, tonight's game and I think it's going to be low scoring for the most part because I think the, the hitters are going to be tired and I think for the first couple of frames, you know, this is going to be a pretty quiet game. I like uh, Rich Hill and I like Rodriguez. Here's the reason why I like uh, Eduardo Rodriguez I think the Dodgers lineup is still way too aggressive trying to swing for home runs. They keep swinging as if they're, they're going to hit the bomb, and the bomb may not come there. Because here's the thing with Rod- Eduardo Rodriguez. He has good stuff, but he, his issue is that he usually loses track of uh, the strike zone. So he, he tends to walk a lot of guys. But if you're up there aggressively swinging for defenses, Eduardo Rodriguez can be highly effective. So I think he's going to have a good night as well uh, for the Red Sox. I, I really do feel as though both pitchers are going to have successful nights, and that you know, like for my DraftKings lineup, the the way I'm kind of going about it for uh, roster construction, I'm locking in both uh, Rich Hill and Rodriguez. I, I really do believe that like the pitchers here are going to be the high scoring uh, functions for the night. So. I mean, just to kind of lay it out there of where I'm I'm going at it from roster construction, uh, my main roster is going to feature Hill and Rodriguez. I actually like uh, Steve Pierce tonight, uh, and I'll tell you why. Basically, I've been kind of pooping on Steve Pierce the entire postseason, but uh, the guy just keeps delivering. I don't know what it is about him. He seems to be having, like, I, I kind of compare it to, like, when, the San Francisco Giants made their runs and you would have these uh, random-ass dudes like Cody Ross, uh, Travis Ishikawa, like these random scrub guys that just get on hot streaks and just and ride it out and, and, and they're end up being the kind of the hero of the world. It's like, I kind of look at Steve Pierce that way. Like, the guy just, like, draws these, like, hard at-bats, these walks, and then he gets clutch. It's, like, it's utterly frustrating because I'm looking at it I'm like, Steve Pierce is not that good of a hitter, but like he's just having one of those roles that it's just like, you know, I can tr- keep trying to fade it saying that he can't do it, but it's like, I, I look at it and it's like, you know what? He could actually do it. Uh, I, so, and uh, like with uh, P- uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. out of the lineup, because he's another one that's like just having one of these posies where you're just like, how the hell is he doing it? Uh, I, I, I kind of look at it as a case where, you know, uh, realistically, I, I I have to say that, you know, uh, I I'm gonna put put Steve Pierce in the lineup in lieu of Jackie Bradley Jr. But um yeah I I, I just look, I just have a good feeling about Pierce and then it's 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 gonna be a combination of because I I'd be surprised if Mookie Betts had an an a, 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 a night as bad as he did game three I think uh, Mookie Betts rebound so. I'll probably have some a mix of uh, Mookie Betts, Ben Attendee, J.D. Martinez uh, on the R- Red Sox side. And I'll probably have exposure to uh, Justin Turner on the Dodger side. Uh, just because Turner's just been having the best at-bats out of all the Dodgers. He's the only guy not going up there trying to swing like an idiot for a home run. He's, he's actually having productive at-bats. I actually like Turner's at-bats. Uh, unlike anyone else on the Dodgers roster, because uh, you know, Monty uh, Monty got a hold of one, but like Monty, the last two at bats was just trying to win the game. I, like during the early parts of uh, the game, I don't want my guys. Uh, actually, truth be told, I, I'm not even a big fan of like just waiting for the big fly. But you know, I think the Dodgers hitters are talented enough that they don't have to uh, go wait for the big fly. Because, guess what, you're when you're up against an AL club and you're an NL club, if you're swinging for defenses, more often than not, you're going to lose. Like, the Cubs got away with it a couple of years ago against Cleveland because Schwarber is an ALDH masquerading as an outfielder or catcher at the time, like he was for the Cubs. But, you know, as it stands, I just look at this and I say to myself, I feel this is going to be a pitcher's duel and, you know, it's just going to come down to how the bullpens work out uh, to see who gets to win here. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I really, really have a bad feeling that Dave Roberts is going to make a mistake handling the pitching staff again. And he's going to get crucified. But I can't defend him because I, I had issues with Dave Roberts' management of the Dodgers uh, pitching staff last year in the World Series. And it's just getting magnified again. And, you know, they can say what they want about analytics, but the Dodgers, for the most part, underachieved this year. So I really don't want to hear it saying that the analytics worked because the Dodgers had to go out and trade for Manny Machado just to make the playoff run to get into the postseason uh, because of how much the Dodgers are struggling. And, yes, you can credit that to the shoddy bullpen, but guess what? That shoddy bullpen is the exact reason why Rich Hill should be out there for seven innings tonight. And there's no chance in hell Rich Hill's going seven innings. No matter how well he pitches through the first uh, five innings, Dave Roberts is going to find a reason to pull him. Even though it's not going to be logical, in in my opinion, because he'll probably be still pitching well. And he'll get pulled anyway. But, you know, uh, I mean, maybe that's just my recency bias but I've just seen Dave Roberts just have this particular uh, foible about him where he can't let his pitcher see the third time through the order. And he does that for pretty much all the Dodgers pitching staff. But it doesn't make sense because if a guy has a role going, it doesn't matter. If the hitters are picking him up, why would you uh, just, because of analytics, just pull the guy because it. Uh, because he's uh, uh, the the data tries to manipulate it in a way to say that he he can't be successful uh, after the fact, and you know I, I, I still struggle with that uh, overall rationale because it takes away from the actual visual element of seeing how how good a pitcher's throwing, how how well is he connecting with the strike zone, and how well the batters are actually picking up on the ball. Uh, there's something to be said about actually being able to uh, understand where uh, where the, uh, the the time and place uh, to actually be looking into the data and when it is to be take the hands off the wheel and actually understand what's going on. It's like sometimes you don't actually have to oversteer the ship. Sometimes you're you're actually going in the right direction and you don't need to over uh, overcorrect things. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, so uh, talked about the World Series. Let's get into the NFL lines because we got another London game, so we got to talk about uh, the uh, the, uh, the spread picks uh, ahead of time, uh, just so you guys understand, for the morning matchup between the Jags and uh, Eagles, uh, where I'm coming from. So, basically, I, I look at this, and I see just... An, I see this as a lock. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I have no confidence whatsoever in Blake Bortles being able to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars to a victory over the Eagles uh, tomorrow morning. Here's the reason why. Blake Bortles gives an interview in which he basically credits uh, the media with uh, turning this into an issue about him when you know, uh, he says that when he's playing well and the and the defense was playing well, that the defense got all the credit. When he doesn't play well, it's all his fault, even if the defense isn't playing well. So it, like, basically, Blake Bortles gave an interview wherein he started finger-pointing when his team's in free fall, and, he's, and he basically says that he can't change the narrative of his career because everyone always labels him as a screw-up. You know, first of all, that is self-defeating prophecy one-on-one. But second, you literally just threw your teammates under the bus for your poor play. Most leaders would be accountable to just say, I have to be able to do better, and I will do better, and I will find a way to execute, and leave it at that. You don't bring up others' performance when you're talking about it as a point of emphasis when... You're, you're failing to meet certain expectations that you have of yourself. So, you know, th- th- right then and there, I already know something's off of Blake Bortles because he doesn't have confidence, and he's and he's starting to point fingers as to w- what's going on. So th- th- there is something to be said for that. Second, in terms of an offense, and I s- keep saying this, Blake Bortles, when he's forced to play like an actual quarterback and not just an athletic player, struggles mightily. The, the issue with the Eagles secondary is their biggest weakness of that defense. Blake Bortles has to be able to make the proper throws and hot reads. Honestly, Blake Bortles could have a good day if he was confident enough in his throwing ability, which he's not because he's not confident in actually making proper reads. They, the Jacksville has to uh, tailor this game plan to throw the football in order to win the game. And I'm not sure right now that they have the confidence in Blake Bortles that he can actually throw the football effectively enough to win this game for them. Eagles are uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Jaguars today. And even if uh, your sportsbook line is at four, I still say you take the uh, the line on the Eagles, and you take uh, and you can, those, uh, you can take them on money line, and you can also take them uh, for the spread. Because I think that this game is just a complete mismatch for Jacksonville. I think uh, the over is uh, definitely in play here. I think it's going to be over 44 points, but I absolutely love Philadelphia in this spot here. This one just reeks of a good matchup for Philly because they can get after the pass rush. Blake Bortles is not going to be able to scramble around the field uh, because the Eagles linebackers will light him up. Uh, I mean, I, I can't. Stress this enough. This is a terrible matchup for Jacksonville uh, in terms of. Uh, I I thought this uh, this matchup was even worse for Jacksonville than uh, the Dallas matchup because uh, Dallas has Jalen Smith, but the Eagles have a a bunch of ballers, including Nigel Bradham, who will light up Blake Bortles. I I do not see a good result coming out of this one if uh, if Jacksonville cannot. Get some semblance of uh, a coherent offense together, and I don't think they know who they are. To be perfectly honest, I think it's a it's a lot of finger pointing. It's a lot of it's a lot of chit chat between Jalen Ramsey and that defense, and none of it sounds like it's going to be productive. So again, the way to attack the Eagles is to have a comprehensive passing game where you can uh, take apart matchups in that secondary. And pick on certain guys. Blake Bortles is not one of those deep thinkers that can actually do that. That's why I think this is a terrible matchup. The, 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 it's just that simple. Moving on, we've got Denver, a 10-point underdog at Kansas City today. Kansas City's going to win this game. I'm not even sure if Denver... I mean, Denver put on a competitive game in mile high... And this is not the matchup I want to be anywhere close to, because I could easily see... So, uh, to give you a little backstory, uh, Case Keenum was on the verge of getting pulled as the Broncos starting QB, except his backup, Chad Kelly, uh, opted during the Broncos players-only Halloween party Tuesday night, opted to get high on some uh, foreign substance, and... Was uh, tripping when and basically stumbling around, uh, high as a kind of inebriated. When the local police had to uh, scoop him up and arrest him for uh, trespassing on another neighbor's property. So realistically, Denver has no backup QB because they just released Chad Kelly. So it's Case Keenum's job, and there's no one to threaten him. And Case Keenum has been, by and large, hot garbage this entire season. I can't see Kansas City losing this game, and I'm not sure if Denver can keep up with them uh, with the home crowd uh, advantage being gone because Casey's is going to know what defensive sets uh, Denver's going to throw at them. I just think this is not a good spot for Denver to be in at all because Mahomes is going to be ready to play them. The uh, the Chiefs didn't execute on all the things they wanted to the first go-around, they're going to tighten that up second time around. And Denver's offense is still going to be limited by Case Keenum's shortcomings. I, I think you got to take a KC plus 10 here. And I, I really don't see anywhere else you can kind of slice this one. I, I just think this is a case where Kansas City is uh, is going to cover, even with the line being that large. Next up, we got the Jets traveling to Chicago to play the Bears. Man, you know, this is what I keep saying about the Jets. Sam Darnold has a lousy line, no receivers to speak of, and is just trying to make do. I mean, he's got Quincy Inouye, he's got Robbie Anderson, but Robbie Anderson's a speedster without much depth to him. Quincy Inouye realistically has not been the same guy since his neck injury, uh, you know, he, he can he can do a few things here and there to move the chain, but he needs to be on a team where you actually have productive offensive, offensive line because he doesn't quite get the separation you were looking for for a possession receiver. So with that being said, uh, Chicago should win this game as long as Mitchell Trubisky doesn't screw it up. Uh, I do think that 10-point uh, that line is a bit high for the Jets. Uh, you know, if it's 9.5... Mm, I, I could, could see myself biting on it, but you know I'm, I'm not exactly uh, a big fan of uh, trying to go uh, trying to go about uh, uh, hitting big money lines when I don't trust the opposing team quarterback. Uh, believe me, uh, Trubisky, if he was a little bit more consistent, I I'd take the Bears uh, against the spread all day long in this matchup because I know the Bears defense. Is gonna to get to Sam Bradford. I mean, it's gonna to get to Sam Darnold and force some turnovers. That that's that part. I'm uh, I'm pretty confident in. The the other part is, you know, will the Jets defense be able to slow down the Bears offense? I don't necessarily think so, but I do think Mitchell Trubisky can slow down the Bears offense by throwing some ill-advised passes, which is what I've been seeing out of him lately. So I I do think the Jets have a chance of keeping this game close. But the Bears uh, are going to win this one. We have the rematch between the Cleveland Browns uh, going to the Steelers. So Obviously, week one, this was a draw that was criticized by many because the Browns found ways to not win that game. But if we're going to be looking at this objectively... These are two evenly matched teams. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. The Steelers' deficiencies on defense and the fact that Baker Mayfield has been able to move the Browns' offense to improve that offense uh, substantially, I didn't think he'd be able to uh, be as, uh, as poised as he's shown. Uh, Baker, I give Baker Mayfield credit. He's been more poised than I thought he would be uh, at this stage of his career. I think this is a more evenly matched lineup than the Ozmakers are giving it. Uh, you know, the Steelers are a touchdown and a half favorites against uh, the Browns. And I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of like taking Cleveland against the spread. I, I do think Pittsburgh should win this one, but to me, the spread pick is Cleveland. If you're giving me seven and a half, I got I to gotta take Cleveland. I don't think the Steelers' defense is good enough to hold Cleveland, especially if Jarvis Landry gets going. Plus, I think Cleveland's defense, uh, if Denzel Ward's locking up on Antonio Brown, I think they can slow down Pittsburgh's defense. And, uh, you know, even though they've had some struggles uh, against the Chargers uh, two weeks ago, Cleveland's run defense is still pretty good. I, I, I'm not sure Connor can go off today. So I, I look at the, the Browns and I'm saying, I, I think you got to take the points here and just take the Browns. Next up. My woeful New York football Giants hosting the Washington Redskins. Listen, the Giants are in full tank mode. The Giants traded Stax Harrison. They traded Eli Apple. They're on the verge of utter collapse. They're trying to tank for a top pick. They're not even disguising it anymore. Yeah, they're saying they're going to play hard, but the players are already starting to check out you know, the sooner the, uh, the Giants get Norris Jenkins out of the building, the better. Because he's going to be one of the worst defenders of checking out uh, in the passing game. Now, the the only thing that benefits Jenkins this go-round is that Alex Smith and his uh, pop-gun arm isn't really going to be able to hit guys down the field in stride to completely burn Jenkins. So, instead of being uh, a touchdown to the house like he gave up Monday night... It'll probably just be a thirty yard gain down the field. So there's that benefit. But yeah, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, you know, this line of being a pick'em, I'm taking Washington without question. The Giants, as much as I rip on the talent level of Washington from a skill position standpoint Their offensive and defensive lines are vastly superior to the Giants. And I will always take a superior offensive and defensive line over having some advantages in the skill position game. Because if you have a good offensive line and a good defensive line, you can hang around in games uh, in situations where normally you shouldn't be able to have a chance in. Washington can do that and win ugly. The Giants, I'm not even sure how the Giants can win ugly at this point because the only win they have is against uh, Houston because Bill O'Brien blew that game for the Texans with some of his ridiculous play calling. I'm not sure when the Giants are going to get a win on the schedule because the Giants are playing with no confidence and I have seen no creativity from the offensive uh, play calling outside of a scant few plays that get run more for Saquon Barkley, I see more volume going Saquon's way. But, you know, until I see Sterling Shepard being lined up in the slot, Odell moving around, being lined up in the slot, moving guys around different parts of the field, the, the same crap I saw in Minnesota where guys get moved around all the field. Like, literally, uh, Pat Shermer was the play caller for the Vikings last year. I don't understand why the Giants are so stagnant. Because they're not doing any of the things. And you could say that, you know, the the uh, the line isn't good enough. We all know this. But you at least have to try something different. If you've got to keep repeating the same uh, recipe, it's just a leading to failure. After failure. After failure. So, as it stands, yeah, I'm taking Washington because... I haven't seen anything from the Giants that would ever merit uh, in a pick'em situation where I could take them seriously. So, Washington it is. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys through a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Stroud have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Carolina hosting the Ravens. So Baltimore... Uh, is a two and a half point favorite and I'm very confused by this line here because Carolina is at home and they're an underdog at home I'm 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 really scratching my head to be perfectly honest with you while the Eagles were not exactly stellar against the the eagles to say the least because they slept walked through the entire game they still won the game the Ravens did lose to the Saints I'm, I'm not exactly convinced why uh, the Ravens are getting are being considered a favor here. I, 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 I don't under, I, I'm really not understanding the Vegas line here. They, they're forcing me to bet on the Panthers uh, plus two and a half. I, I really don't get this line. I, I, it, it, it is, it is uh, troubling to me because I feel as though Vegas is trying to sucker me into something by setting the line this suspiciously because it really doesn't make any sense why Carolina is an underdog here at home. There's Even though they've been very inconsistent, it is extremely hard to pass up a home underdog, and I would still probably take Carolina to win this game outright uh, on, uh, on their own. I, I, I feel as though Carolina is just as good, if not a better team than Baltimore, so... This is a, this is a strange one. I I, I really uh, tried to understand what was going on with the rationale behind the pick spread, but uh, a lot of folks in the industry are kind of having the same question I am. Like, what does Vegas know that we don't? Because I, I can't I can't figure it out. I I really didn't get that line there. Uh, moving on, you got Detroit hosting Seattle. Detroit's a three point favorite against the Seahawks, coming off the bye. Uh, this is a Tricky game because the Seahawks coming off the bye, they're going to be fresh. So I'm not entirely sure if I want to be trusting Detroit uh, to cover three points. Now, if this was uh, a case where it was a point and a half, and you know maybe it comes out to a two point conversion because uh, Pete Carroll did something goofy on with the extra point going for two, you know I, I could see Detroit covering that kind of line. This game. This, to me, screams stay away from the game. If you have to do it for a betting pool, maybe this is one you can kind of use as, uh, you know, use an underdog upset uh, on the road. I mean, the Seahawks are coming into this game fresh off the bye. So I wouldn't have an issue with picking the Seahawks if you want to do a differential and not take a home favorite. Uh, That would be the play here. But realistically, I'm not feeling confident enough in this matchup to actually... uh, do a bet on it outright. Tampa Bay at Cincinnati. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, obvious underdog here. Cincinnati a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Cincinnati just, you know, after the debacle Sunday night, just laying an absolute egg against the Chiefs. Need a rebound quickly. Uh, And they got a perfect defense to give Andy Dalton his confidence back. Uh, after the Chiefs just uh, ripped it from him uh, Sunday night and he went into the fetal position. Uh, I mean, if we were looking at it objectively, uh, Tampa has one of the worst defenses in the league, a weak secondary. I, I I look for A.J. Green all day long to have a field day here and just establish dominance. Uh, A.J. Green would definitely be one of my picks for DFS this week. But uh, I, I look at it and I'm saying to myself, you know, uh, this is this is a matchup since uh, he's got to win. I mean, the, you know, since he can't get a win against this Tampa defense, Marvin Lewis, you know, this this would have to be his last year in Cincinnati. Uh, you, you know, it's bad enough to lose the way they did to the Chiefs. But to follow it up by losing to a Tampa Bay squad that has... No semblance of a secondary and, you know, questionable effort at times on the defensive line. Because even though JPP has a bunch of sacks, there are some plays where, you know, I see that same inconsistency that he had with the Giants where he takes plays off. So I, I look at this and I say to myself, since he's got to win this one, and if they find a way to lose it, then Marvin, Marvin Lewis has got to be on the hottest seat in the NFL. Uh, you know, with the exception of uh, Bill O'Brien, because Bill O'Brien... Should, even though he blew out Miami the other night, should still have one of the hottest seats in the league. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so th- this is a must win for the Bengals, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Indy traveling to Oakland. Man, oh, man, speaking of teams trying to tank. So the Raiders obviously traded Amari Cooper for a first-round pick. You know, the the Raiders are going to be using Jordy Nelson, Martavis Bryant as the pair of wide receivers. So uh, for DFS purposes, uh, Martavis Bryant is only 3,700 on DraftKings this week. Uh, Jordy Nelson is at 4,700. Uh, they're definitely going to be uh, plays for me today because of the fact that Indy doesn't have that style of a defense and those values are so cheap, plus the fact that Marshawn Lynch was placed on IR. The Raiders' run game is going to be more of using the pass to open up the run game than anything else. I, I don't see this being a Doug Baldwin game. I see this being a lot of uh, passing uh, underneath to try to open up uh, some passing over the top with Nelson and, and Bryant. And if Martavis Bryant wants to salvage his career, this is a good op- op- opponent to actually start that off against. Uh, So, I look at Indy to win this one outright. I look at Indy to cover the spread of three points. Uh, This is just, uh, this is in Indy's wheelhouse. So, uh, if Indy wants to be serious, uh, uh, playoff contenders, they got to win this one. Green Bay uh, at the Rams. You know, it's not often you see uh, Aaron Rodgers just be... Totally discounted against with, uh, cause this line opened up with, uh, a nine and a half spread. I and think, and it got up to ten at one point. It's like people had so little confidence in this Packers team, uh, going up against the Rams that, you know, everyone's basically saying the Rams are going to win. And so am I. I, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why I have to say, it, cause this is, uh, a, a matchup of coaches where, uh, Sean McVay does everything to put his players in the best position to succeed, and Mike McCarthy seems to do everything possible to uh, uh, to uh, put Aaron Rodgers in the worst position possible uh, in games. You know, I, I just look at it as a case where sooner or later this is going to come to a head, where the Packers are just going to have to make a decision to fire Mike McCarthy as a coach because he just doesn't get it. He really doesn't. Uh, I I look at the Rams here, and I think they're just going to smash this uh, Packers team. they got a ton of issues on defense. Todd Gurley should have a field day running up and down uh, the field. I I just do not like this matchup whatsoever for the Packers. Uh, I do think that uh, Aaron Rodgers can have a good day passing, but uh, I I don't see much else coming from this. I, I really don't. So, uh, this uh, this should be an interesting one, to say the least. As I'm not sure what Packers team is going to show up. I, I, I'm very curious, but I know Mike McCarthy is not going to be the cause for them to win this game. Uh, so, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers if they make it competitive at all. Next up is an absolute dog of a matchup. We got the Cardinals hosting the 49ers, you know... The less said about this game, the better. But uh, in terms of a point spread, uh, you know, San Francisco's a a point-and-a-half favorite. I look at the uh, 49ers to win this one outright. Like, Arizona's a mess. Uh, Patrick Peterson's demanding a trade. You know, Arizona's in free fall, Uh, much like a number of teams in the NFL right now. uh, They're the next team that I expect to have a coaching change. Uh, in short order. So uh, Steve Wilkes uh, also is on the hot seat and well-deserved. Uh, this team is just not not performing at all to, you know, because even though they were going to be mediocre, the way they're losing is just unacceptable. So uh, I, I look at that and I, I just see, see it for what it is. It's a case where uh, Arizona is uh, probably going to be moving on with Uh, just a one-year head coach getting fired at the end of the season. So, Sunday night game. We've got the rematch between the Saints and the Vikings. The scene of one of my most ridiculous podcasts where I couldn't even contain the laughter of how the Saints managed to blow that game against the Vikings. You know, know, whatever you want to call uh, the play involving Stephon Diggs and Marshawn Latmore, you know, you you can't... I mean, that's an indelible NFL moment right there. Uh, Just utter ridiculousness that the Saints managed to lose that playoff game last year in the fashion they did. So they returned back to the scene of the crime in Minnesota, and the Saints remain the better team Uh, without question. The Vikings have a bunch of injuries, but the Saints are the better team. They should have won last year. And they might have actually had a decent shot against Philly if had they won. But, you know, outright, the Saints are a one-point favorite. Uh, one and a half, depending on uh, uh, certain sites. But uh, uh, they were a one-point favorite on the road. I fully expect the Saints to win this game. They're motivated. They're pissed off about how things ended up last year. I look for the Saints to come in and do a good job of taking care of business against the Vikings because... Their pass rush should be able to get to Kirk Cousins. Uh, Drew Brees should be able to pick apart that Viking secondary, which has been very weak as of late. And as much as I rip on New Orleans' defense, uh, I still fully expect Kirk Cousins to make some mis- mistakes against high-level competition. And the Saints do have some playmakers. Uh, with the ar- aforementioned Marshawn Lattimore, if he gets his head on straight, and doesn't focus on what happened last year, uh, he should have a good night and be in position to make some picks because Kirk Cousins will uh, throw a couple in this game uh, just trying to keep the Vikings in it. As, uh, you know, uh, the running game should be also struggling because, once again, Dalvin Cook's out, and Latavius Murray, when he plays above-average defenses, usually disappears entirely, so... Again, I expect a lot of Kirk Cousins throwing Adam Thielen, uh, uh, mostly Thielen, then some Stefan Diggs and also Kyle Rudolph. But there's going to be a lot of Kirk Cousins forcing the ball into Thielen, and I think the Saints can take advantage of that and uh, create some turnovers. And finally, the l- most lopsided matchup of the weekend. You got the Buffalo Bills hosting the New England Patriots. Now... Buffalo being at home still remains a 14 and a half, uh well 14 and a half to 13 and a half point underdog depending on sports book but let's just call it an even 14 points. I for the life of me hate lines this big but I got to take the Patriots because if you're telling me this Bills team that doesn't even know if Josh Allen can play or not is still going to rely on Derek Anderson or the Peterman, man uh you know it, it's it's utterly ridiculous uh, i mean the fact that we could actually see the Peter man it, it, you know i i can't get over this it, you know we got two quarterbacks who shouldn't even be in the league that are, uh, have a potential of appearing on Monday night football in uh, Derek Anderson and Nathan Peterman it, it, you know it just goes without saying i keep saying this over and over again Kaepernick just needs to show the videotape of those two clowns playing quarterback as part of as part of his collusion cases as to why he's not getting a job. But, you know, be that as it may, uh, I like the over on this one. I think New England's going to march the ball up and down the field. I don't see any redeeming value in the Bills whatsoever. Uh, to me, this is just all New England all the time. So uh, wh- wherever it goes, uh, you know, this is just going to be New England-centric, it's just a matter of who on the Patriots uh, scores the most touchdowns, and that's the way it is, uh, to be perfectly honest. So that does it for the picks pool uh, uh, suggestions, uh, but uh, I'll do my DFS lineups uh, tomorrow morning. uh, But uh, before I conclude the show, I just want to uh, say a few words on the tragedy that took place earlier today in Pittsburgh with the mass shooting at the synagogue, you know, thoughts and prayers for the family, you know, I, I try to uh, do the show and not talk about real life events, and, uh, you know, obviously we had the sh- uh, mass shooting in Pittsburgh, but we also had a helicopter crash involving the Leicester City owner, Vichai Pramda. and apologies if I butchered the last part of the Taiwanese owner's last name uh but you know thoughts and prayers to uh his family because you know it, there's no telling how many people were on board the helicopter but it was confirmed that he was on board uh specifically and but there may be other family members on board as well so you know just thoughts and prayers and you know uh, regardless of whatever transpires, I just, you know, would always say to folks, like, just try to cherish every moment of life as you can and just say I love you to those uh, you who, uh, who you love. And I'll just say to my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, all, all the family members, uh, I love you guys and thank you for always supporting me. And, you know, I just want to leave it at that. So... Have a good night, folks, and uh, take care.
1: It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss.